Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world. We round the net. So get ready and get set. Because we make it look easy. No sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys gonna get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. Cause what they doing is board games, video games. Yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet. Interviews, you up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it. So if you wanna go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Welcome to another episode of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. Your inner geek needs a vacation bad. Well, that's convenient. You (laughs) have one coming up. Very convenient. Tomorrow, I work a half day and then I'm gone. Gone, suckers. No no more work for a while. (sighs) I'm going to still expect quality content from you on Facebook. Oh, you know, you did see the... Baggle games we're bringing. I did. <laughs> we we don't travel late. How many days are gaming. you going for? Because that's like two weeks. <laughs> Twelve days. Okay, that's acceptable. You know, typically, when we are they going to remember you you at work when you get back? I I hope not. I hope I just slide back in and nobody says a word to me for like two weeks. <laughs> it was a vacation. Good. It's like I just watch work happen. <laughs> just kind. of. It's kind of be a fly on the wall until somebody's like, oh, did Jeff ever come back? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. This, so this is our, one of our annual ro- or our annual road trip. We usually try to take one road trip vacation a year. So usually when we do the road trip, yeah, we pack a big bag of games. And as long as like, so like tomorrow night, we probably won't play a game because tomorrow night's our straight drive night. Right. We'll drive for like 10 hours. But usually like if we get in at a decent time or something and we're not wiped like we'll play a game every day every night and then of course when we're at the house because we're we're doing the house thing with the with the family and stuff so my sister my sister started texting me last night she's like so what games did you pack i'm like all kinds <laughs> i took a picture of the back it's like you know nothing you know, she's not a gamer not like a game gamer right so then she starts asking me about all these hey like, don't be the gatekeeper <laughs> <I'm not kidding. laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to make it. She's she's like party games, right? This sort of thing. So she's yeah. So she's like texting me all the names of these gay these party games. It's like, do you have I'm like nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Best <laughs> I can do is Cards Against Humanity. Well, that's what she kept kind of comparing stuff to because she got Cards Against Humanity some, at some point as well. So she's so it's not as and I finally I'm just like not my typical style of game. So now I don't really own a ton of those. She's like, oh, I'm like, no, no. I'm like, we'll play them. Just the people we play games with usually aren't looking to play party games. So we play other things, but we'll play, we'll play some party games. So yeah, so she's apparently packing up some party games to bring with too after seeing me talk about packing the game bag. <laughs> so hopefully we'll, you know, we'll get some games in at the at the beach house as well. That's about it. I don't really have anything for general. You have anything you want in general? I do. Before we do Patreon? Throwing up the geek signal because I I want (laughs) (laughs) I want help from our listeners. 
to help the listeners get the podcast that they want to hear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what do you think this is? The Game Crafter official podcast? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to hear us talk about in general where we have these little blither blather moments? What do you want to see us play and review? What do you think about merchandise? If we dabble with that again, what do you want from the podcast? Give us something you want us to talk about. Give us something you want us to review. We'll add that to the queue. <laughs> Interact, people. Tell us Tell us what you want. Feel better now? <laughs> Sometimes it's just got to come out, even though I know nothing's going to happen. Right. So here, here's the deal. No, I don't need Suicide Watch. No. <laughs> eh, eh. Not for this, um, anyway. So Jordan and I have been talking lately. And, of course, Jordan's been basically taking a, a, a larger interactive role in the social media side of things, for sure. Oh, I think they recognize two different voices. <laughs> I don't know. I still get questioned every once in a while about things I posted. In fact, I think, I forget what it was, JT asked me about something. He's like, well, you do this all the time. I'm like, no, that's Jordan. Like, that's <laughs> I've never done that. That's always been Jordan's thing. <laughs> He's like, really? I just assumed it was you. I'm like, no, no. There's two of us, JT. <laughs> uh, but speaking of JT, that's one of the things that you and I have talked about is how grateful we are at the Game Crafter official podcast that everything is community driven, is listener driven. Like, we haven't picked a topic to talk about on that podcast unless JT has something company specific, like a new features coming out or something that he wants to explain. So we're about 98% for five years now, 200 plus episodes. Almost all of that is from listeners. Have we ever had a listener? <laughs> Not probably <laughs> since... Have we first reviewed year? something from a listener? Maybe a couple times. We have one oh, yeah, game we, that we a have, we have one game that I think a listener hated me. That's why they suggested <laughs> it. Uh, hey Jeff, take on a craft project. <laughs> um, I'll admit it, folks. I'm being needy here. I'm being <laughs> high maintenance host. I want the external validation just beyond watching our numbers go up on Libsyn. Okay, every up. I I want this. I've, oh my god! I've said this before. <laughs> I want it to be a two-way street. Communication <laughs> is a two-way street. That's what my wife always tells me. So I'm gonna try it here. Yeah. So so Jordan like would like the all us geeks to get to like the five ten percent mark even. And he, well, he'd let's, be pretty let's shoot happy. for single digits. You know, <laughs> well, through the five two thousand five to ten. Well, yeah. Well, no, <laughs> ten is double. Yeah, five is not. I said right. five to ten. Okay, you're pulling a Jordan math there. <laughs> Episode 10.1, we're no, in triple digits. No, that isn't even close to it. It's not even close to the same. <laughs> Besides, there can only be one 10%. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, interact if you can, however you want. You know, uh, uh, Podcast at allusgeeks.com, Jordan at allusgeeks.com. If you want to, don't make me dust that. Oh, yeah. If you want to hit him up uh, personally, Jeff at allusgeeks.com. To those that do respond regularly, because there are a handful of you, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're even going to get a shout out en masse <laughs> before the Patreons. Thank you for talking to me. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, all the good stuff. Where, however, you want to interact with us, the do gram. So. The gram on our site. Cool. No, don't. 
just let your podcatcher catch us. Don't don't go to the site right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a thorn in my side right now. Okay, so um, Patreon shoutouts. So people that are hopefully going to help me get rid of our current site <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Uh, so once again, uh, we want to thank those that are at a shout out level on our Patreon. That would be Nicole, Nate, Stephanie, Timothy, David, John, Don, and Matt. Thank you very much for supporting us over on Patreon. And of course, all the other people that support us over on Patreon that are not at a shout out level for uh, various reasons. Thank you as well. Thank you very much. You all help us keep this going. Like I said, hopefully someday here soon. Maybe if I zen enough on vacation, I'll be less frustrated and come back and finish our damn site. Oh, Don't set the bar too high, dude. I Anyway. Just come back and want to go to work. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Game review. Just move right on. Moving on. <laughs> so tonight we're going to be looking at Koi. Oh, Koi. <laughs> Cryptid Koi. At Koi, which I don't have the details on because Jordan is going to tell us about Koi. Koi by Smirk and Dagger Games. Smirk and Laughter. Yes, sorry. (laughs) Smirk and Laughter. Their subset of less dickish games. Although there is some dickery in this game. There is. Yes, Smirk and Laughter. Koi, where you are trying to be the fattest fish possible. Technically not the fattest, but you're trying to eat a lot of stuff to get a lot of points. Mm-hmm. So I think you'd become a fat fish if you just ate a lot of frogs. Unless you just kind of keep swimming into the corner there. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> then you got a, a head injury and <laughs> some weight retention problems. <laughs> but, but she made it. She got yeah, around yeah, the rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Watching the NASCAR of Koi. But... <laughs> and she anyway. goes into the wall. <laughs> <sighs> Somebody that was playing with us had spatial <laughs> issues with how the, how to make movements in the pond. <laughs> it was a less than optional, uh, less than <laughs> optimal first turn. <laughs> I've never seen so many cards burn to go two squares. <laughs> <laughs> Get it together. All right. <laughs> Koi by Smirk and Laughter Games, in which you are trying to be the best fish possible. It is a game for uh, one to four players, 10 and up. So I think go go lower as long as you got somebody with good reading comprehension skills to handle the weather. It says 40 to 60 minutes. Uh, it's got a double-sided board, and you play on one side or the other, depending on the number of players, one to two. Uh, there are solo rules for this, which I did not read and I will never read. <laughs> One to two players or three to four players. Each player has a fish to be on the board and a fish to be the score track. And you are using a deck of movement cards to plot your movement each turn. It's not Robo Rally-esque in that it's not set and then you see how you survive. Mm-hmm. It's you, you get to, you get to look at your cards and then plan how each card is played. And each card has your movement on it, variety of movement options. And then you are trying to uh, eat dragonflies or frogs. Uh, dragonflies score more than frogs. Uh, and at the end of the game, there are seven rounds. At the end of the seventh round, the person with the highest score, three points for dragonflies, one point for frogs, one point for frogs. Uh, the person with the highest score is the best fish. 
the winning fish. Take them to the county fair. <laughs> that's uh, that's the high level. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple game. Swim around in a circle, eat stuff. Sometimes all on the same turn. <laughs> Sometimes you just swim in a circle. <laughs> all right. So uh, the components for Koi. You talked about this. So there's the double-sided board. There's cards uh, of var- movement and the weather cards. The the koi themselves that you play, those are wood, right? Wood, wood tokens. Yep. So you get two of those. Yeah, one for scoring, one, one for, for scoring, one, one for, for playing. Moving. Yep. Uh, there's wooden dragonflies, wooden frogs, <coughs> wooden stones, mm-hmm. and then cardboard tokens for wind effects that might come into play. First player. Uh, and then cherry blossoms and lily pads. Yep. I, think I believe that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, overall the components are, are pretty solid. They're pretty nice. The choice to make the lily pads and the cherry blossoms just cardboard, I think, is interesting because the everything else is everything else is the, like the the wood, but it's kind of funny because like dropping the cherry blossom moves almost everything else, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like a lighter a lighter component. But I mean, it all works. It, I will say that, like, m- about midway through the game, I think, just kind of looking at the the top level view of the board with all the components kind of laid out, where people are putting out the stones and the cherry blossoms and the lily pads, and you know the the dragonflies come in and all that stuff. It's a very pretty visual. It's a very it's very. I'm looking at a koi pond, and and I do like that. So I think, even though I don't know where the decision was to make certain things cardboard and others not, but it. It's a great visual on the table, and I think all the components are, are pretty solid for what they need to do. I always kind of figured that the stones remained wood because they're impassable. Everything else your fish can land on except the stone. So I think that makes a good visual. Reminder. Yeah, that, that does. But I agree with you. It's it's a pretty game once you get a full board going. The fish are colorful, <laughs> you know, and then it, it's not just it's like the, the cherry blossoms are a nice bright pink. The little mm-hmm. pads are a hue, a couple of hues of green. Everything is very colorful, and the board itself is a very simple shades of blue, so everything on it pops. It's a very pretty game. Component-wise, mm-hmm. the cards are solid, too. I've got in, like, six or eight games of this already, and there's not a lot of heavy shuffling in it, but shuffling is done, and there's no chipping of it or anything like that. So, yeah, the componentry is pretty darn good. Yeah. I think the only thing that would have, like, made it just a touch better would have been, like, and for no no reason other than visual like multicolored dragonflies or something. Keeping the the frogs green right. know, makes sense, but like multicolored dragonflies, it would have been kind of cool across the board. But yeah, as is, it's, I mean, and you're... But the dragonflies at, are purple, so I'm going to yeah. disagree with yeah. you. Yeah, no, they're purple. Yeah. <laughs> I like purple. Um, but the reason I bought the game. You're also trying to, you know, get those things off the board as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go into mechanics, because a couple of things I kind of... Especially like with the cherry blossom and stuff that we, we want to talk about are actually kind of more mechanics yep. of the game. So mechanics, like Jordan said earlier, a lot of times with some of the other things that we play from Smirk and Dagger, it's because of the take that elements. And so this koi from their Smirk and Laughter side doesn't have as much, but I think it's almost worse because of how subtle it is. And how, well, at least for you and I, we think that way yes. <laughs> and we yeah. go for it. So I think 
Remember, I think Megan cursed me out a couple of times for a couple of things I did. And I think I got a you dick out of you a few times as well. And I think I've, I shared my, my uh, sentiments are the same. That is our bar for an excellent <laughs> for an game. Excellent. Yeah. Take that game. <laughs> oh, so no, just any, game. Well, any game. Yeah. So the cherry blossoms are an interesting mechanic to be able to put out from the aspect of wherever you put it, basically it, it makes almost everything else kind of dissipate from it so it gets forced away so i know one of the ways that you kind of like to use it if if possible was to basically force a dragonfly into your mouth Mm -hmm. basically so a free free eat yep uh without having to move i used it almost the other way to move stuff away from like megan and you Mm -hmm. because i don't think sarah was ever near me very often out of the corner So just the, the that little subtle thing, you know, to be a, you you put this somewhere. There are some uh, placement uh, rules on various things that you get to place, but placing them is not only the nice visual and stuff, but it can also either help you or hamper your opponent. So placing a stone, you can't move through a stone. You know, now you've got to move around a stone if you put it in front of somebody or whatever. Um, so there's a, a lot of little things like that. So I I like how the components. And the mechanics kind of work together in that form. Mm-hmm. So the major mechanics are our movement and the the natural wonders cards that we were talking. Mm-hmm. About. Is that what they're called in this game? Natural, natural beauty. Be- oh, yeah, natural beauty. So the movement cards tell you everything that your fish is going to be able to do this turn, and it's a mix of optional and mandatory movements, and you have to do them. And this is what throws everybody for the first <laughs> game, as everybody says, and then screws it up. Who reads from the top down? I mean, who reads from the bottom up? So you've got to read from the bottom of the card up to to proc the card. And that, that throws everybody off first, or at least everybody that I've played. Mm-hmm. Um, it did. No, it really didn't. No, I saw you roll back. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Don't lie. You're not. No, I'm not. I'm not perfect, <laughs> but it just, I don't know why. I mean, it made sense to me. I'm going from the fish up. No, it, it makes sense, but almost I mean, everybody that right. I've played with apparently, except you. Took one moment to look at the card, do a whole thing, and then somebody pointed out, no, you went from the top. So the card will give you your, uh, from the bottom up, and the bottom of the card has the fish on it, so th- that's your visual reminder. This is how your fish is, the direction of your fish. And there will be some blue arrows, which are optional, and black arrows that are mandatory. And they are things like move straight ahead one, uh, jump a hex, it's a hex-based game, jump a hex and if you jump a hex you're not interacting with anything in it so you can jump over a stone but if you jump over a dragonfly you don't get to score it and then there's like left turn right turn uh one see hex now facing. that that's where i sometimes had to shift my card to make sure i knew wh- which way i was turning properly based on where i was but yeah that that's just any game like that well, yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna I, I'm be doing crap that like that either. no and then there's uh, a 360 spin. You can change uh, to any facing that you want. And then the natural beauty cards, you get to put out some stones, you get to put out lily pads, or you get to put out the... Uh, cherry blossom. The cherry blossom, mm-hmm. yes. So the stones are important because they hinder movement, as Jeff mentioned. The cherry blossoms can be important because they give you a little bit of pond manipulation. And the dragonfly, uh, the lily pads are important because that's where dragonflies spawn at the start of every turn. At the start of the game, you have X number of lily pads, depending on how many people are playing. And then after that, as you put up more uh, lily pads, more dragonflies spawn at the start of the game. So potential scoring is always going up, whether you 
maximize that as a table or not is <laughs> that's up to the players. But, but the potential for scoring goes up as the rounds go on. From the the take that element, you've got the cherry blossom blossoms that can either move stuff towards you or away, or away from you or other people. Uh, you got the stones like you talked about for blocking movement. You also have the frogs. Yep. Because uh, I know I did that to Sarah where she had that. She was lining up every firefly she could in that one area, we, and there was a hole in the middle. It's so, yeah. yeah. So um, wherever you drop a frog or wherever a frog is, yep. it automatically eats all the fireflies around it. And so, then fireflies also, not fireflies, dragonflies. Dragonflies, yeah. Sorry. Also don't spawn adjacent to them. Right, yeah. So, yeah, if you've got them by a lily pad, when it's time to spawn, they just won't come out. So, yeah, Sarah had that one turn where she was like, gathering all of the fireflies basically around her so her next turn she could just kind of go squirt 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 or and then I, I dropped that frog right in the middle of that hole she made that circle she made it's like oh they're gone and the other big component the other big mechanic uh is the weather card mm-hmm. and this is where some of the lightweight environmental dickery comes in because some of it is it's like clear day nothing happens but there's generally some kind of potential negative. Like at the start of your turn, you have to move a frog. Uh, so every player is going to move a frog. Mm-hmm. Could be to their benefit, could be to somebody else's hindrance. Uh, it could be a windy day. So you got to flip one of the wind tokens and that'll tell you the direction that the wind is. And then everything except the stones gets pushed by the wind. So that kind of a, a low end reset of the board because everything is pushed. Uh, and now maybe everything is clumped on one side of the board or you're, you're farther away from stuff if there's been a flood. It's so there, there's weather stuff that happens too. And the one that everybody <laughs> liked, Icy, mm. where you have to choose whether you're going to get cards this turn or play cards this turn, but you don't get to do both. You right. don't get to move if you draw cards, but if you do move, you're doing it with a limited hand. So that's when that came out and everybody saw it for the first time. Everybody kind of went, ah, <laughs> yeah, because <I did laughs> like it's a card. nasty card. I think, yeah, because I think that came out when I had like one card left in my hand or something like that. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm drawing cards. You mentioned kind of, so we, we've got the, the movement cards and uh, I, I don't remember if you said it. You know, I know you talked about the have to and the optional on mm-hmm. the cards. The, the black uh, text is have to, the blue, or not text, but symbols, arrows. Yeah. arrows. Uh, blue arrows are optional. But for actual movement, you can use as many cards as you have in your hand. Yes. So it's not, again, I, I, I think uh, you mentioned it up front. It's not robo-rally set programmic movement. And now you're stuck with it, no matter what happened to the board. But you are trying to do the best you can with the cards you have in your hand between, uh, do I use my optional movements? Does that get me anything? So at certain times in the game, it can be a little bit of a thinker because you're, uh, depending on like, again, you're trying to get around and get it, eat as many fireflies and frogs as you can. You want those points. And looking at the board again, who's coming out after you? Who's going to go after you? Um, where are they in relation to the points you're trying to get? And all that stuff. So you've got these this hand of cards and, and you're trying to calculate out your best route, basically, and whatever dickery you can do on the way with the cards you have in your hand. So Yeah, you're not required to play all your cards. Right. There's no penalty for not playing all your cards beyond maybe not having the most efficient turn possible. 
but there's many an occasion where you want to save a couple of cards to hope hope because you draw up three at the start of every turn. So there's no penalty to holding on a couple cards. And the natural beauty cards and the movement cards are in the same deck. So there's always the potential to draw movement and natural beauty and then have to that split hand. You know, you're not going to move a lot, but you don't really have enough natural beauty cards to be really efficient with what you have to move or to hinder somebody else. Uh, so it, it, it's all one deck and how it comes out. Oh, and the other thing, it's all one deck and how it comes out really determines on the turn what you're going to do. There's not a lot of deep planning. You know, what am I going to do in two turns? It's always pretty much what am I going to do now? And do I want to bank anything for one turn? Yeah, because even trying to plan your turn, depending on what happens before you, because I know I had that a couple times where it's like I had my, my whole turn planned out. And then it got completely screwed. So I had you forget to- <laughs> that the first player token moves and yep. suddenly you go last instead of being first. There's also a... There's a trade out mechanic too. Yeah. Uh, so you've got your hand of X cards. After the first round, you got to go down to five. But you can trade cards as well. You can discard cards to draw that many cards minus one. So if I drop five cards, I get four back. And you can play as many cards as you want in a turn. You can trade out as many cards as you want in a turn, but that's diminishing returns. And you can eat as much as you want in a turn based on how efficient your movement is. Uh, And then you declare you're done. And then you just hold on to your scoring. So the mechanics of moving are all basically just simple card draw. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it right there. It was actually one of the things I was going to say. But it's not just after the first turn, but there's... At, at the end of your turn, you always have to go down to five, right? Yes. So depending on how, so you can't hold a ton of cards and hope to keep getting cards and nope. make some massive play. At the end of your turn, you always have to be at at least five or down to five. A minimum, a max of five. Max of five. Yeah. Okay. So all of that for this game, I'm, I, I think the mechanics work really well. I think mm-hmm. everything, uh, again, from dropping lily pads and, and cherry blossoms to, the movement to the various things that come up on the weather cards, all of it works really well and it all feels good within this game. I know we're, we're getting ready to move on to some other things, but mechanically uh, I think Koi just works. It's, it's a, a solid game with some simple things going on, but they, they work for this, this game. I agree. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so rules, rules for Koi. So the rule book is around 12 pages, with the back cover being the round order, what you're going to do in a round. And I think it's a pretty solid rule book. Uh, it's got good examples of all the components, both uh, what you should expect in the box and how everything is used. It's got clear setup based on the number of players. Uh, how to set it up for one, how to set it up for two, how to set it up for three and four. It's got the proposed layout, which I'm always amused when people put <laughs> that in because nobody ever, that never survives, but they put the proposed layout. It explains the cards. It's got nice sidebars on what all the symbols mean. And even though it's around 12 pages, a lot of the images, a lot of the sidebars, a lo- uh, they're all very large. Everything is. Like, I can read this without my glasses. <laughs> so everything is well laid out and large enough that, you know, they could have gone down a point or two in font size and saved a couple pages uh, because it's not that it's not that complex a game. So everything is here and has the added bonus of being an easy visual. 
And one of these pages, the two of these pages are, well, a page and a half is the solo rules, which again, I haven't read and I'm never going to. Uh, so it's 12-ish pages that gets the point across. You're such a dick. <laughs> no, it's just not a game that I, <laughs> that I ever want to play solo. It's not, it's not a dick move. I'm just not going to. I'm not eating your solo rules. Stop putting them in the game. Put them in the game because I can see where this would appeal to the, to the people that like a certain type of solo games. This is not my certain type of solo game. You're the dick for calling me out. Well, actually, they would need to uh, save four pages, Jordan. Oh, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Nerd. That's what I was chuckling when you said that. <laughs> and we're done. You know, it's a great game. Jeff's bringing the whole dick thing right to the table here, even though it's smirking laughter. Yeah, so it was a good game. Enjoy it, people. Pick it up. It's a solid rule book. It gives you everything you need. Uh, you can pretty much go page to page to set up to play uh, without any big problems. And everything that you're going to need to reference in terms of where stuff can be placed and how stuff interacts with those objects are all on one page. Uh, there's not a lot here that you need to refer to. All right. So teachability for Koi. So you and Sarah had played it before. Yes. Right? Okay. So Megan and I were new to it. Mm -hmm. I think it went pretty well. I, I don't think there was a lot of questions. I think, that, again, the the biggest thing is what you talked about earlier, people wanting to read from top to bottom instead of starting from the fish and going up. Obviously, there's a lot of, again, the manipulation of, well, which way am I really turning with this card based off of how my fish is sitting right now? But as far as learning the game and knowing what you're kind of doing in the game, I think, I mean, right out of the box, I think everybody was comfortable with jumping in and playing. So I think the teachability is pretty high here. I would agree. I've taught this in three different play groups now. And other than referring to the book so that people could see some answers to how objects are placed, if you've read the book, you can jump into the game. Mm -hmm. And I think that that makes it a pretty high teachability factor because it's not something that is overly complicated. Yeah. I think that's the only thing we referred to the rule book for, if I remember right, was placement. Yeah. What on can a couple be things. And yep. what can't. All right. So replayability and how many times in a row would you play Koi? Well, we know it's got some replayability for Megan since when you brought it over to the rule book over tonight, she saw it and again. said, I want to play that again. And honestly, I mean, I, I, I remember that part of the conversation, like after we got done playing or like, mine's like, I really like this. I want to play again, you know? So we didn't play it like multiple times in a row because we were playing other things at night as right. well. But I could easily see us playing this two, three times without much of an issue. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Two to three times. It's it's fast enough. I think 60 is like their upper limit. I, I don't know why you'd get there. Once everybody has got the game down, it should definitely be closer to that 45. Yeah. I mean there there's a little again we talked about it. there's there's the AP if you potential get that AP person. Yeah. yeah there's so some some AP potential. That 90 minute mark pretty easy, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, I I agree with you. It's it's fast enough. It's light enough in theme but deep enough in 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 strategy that I I can do this two or three times and mm -hmm. not and not feel that I've wasted my time. Yeah. Okay, so we should back up. So technically <laughs> there is re replayability in the box. Yeah, there's a variety of cards. You don't uh, see all the weather cards in one sitting. No, nope. there's 
a big deck of movement. There's a big deck of weather, and you're only ever going to see six, seven round game. Didn't say this. Seven round game. There's no weather on the first round. <laughs> weather is only in the last six round. So between the weather and movement, and then how people are being uh, aggressive or defensive with their placement of other tokens, there's a lot. There's lots of potential replayability here, mm-hmm. just from a mechanic. Yeah, standpoint. just not seeing the same board game whatever twice. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely. So there, there's there's technically in the box a decent amount of replayability, and then for us personally, yeah, we could easily see uh, if we get together on a game night, plan this two or three times, and being completely fine with that and either moving on to something else or, or whatever. But I, th- I think our group would easily play two to three times, I think. Okay, so the theme for Koi. It's kind of interesting because, like, I've got a Koi card game that, like, Daniel Solis, I think, put out way back when, and mm-hmm. I hadn't really seen a whole lot since. And then you started talking about this, and then I've got friends that are publishing a Koi game, a tile Koi game here soon. So suddenly... It's the group thing. <laughs> it's, the, it's the group thing. Yeah, suddenly everybody's finally done developing their Koi game in the background. <laughs> um, but I, I like the theme. I Again, it's it's not... I, there's multiple kind of in the coming out now, but it's not something that you see a ton of. Not that, that I care about that. Again, I'm not one of those people that thinks that there's too much of anything. If it's a good game, it's a good game. But I like the theme. And like I said earlier, the visual for this one in the theme works really well. It's, you know, once everybody's kind of gotten going and like I said about mid game, uh, you just kind of look at the board and it's a just a, a beautiful visual of a koi pond. And I think uh, the theme theme works really well here and the theme and the mechanics work really well together in, the, in koi. I agree. This reminds me a little bit of photosynthesis or Tokaido in that you're playing this to see the board mm-hmm. as much as you are playing it to do the board. Uh, it's very pretty from like the box art and the rule book It is the same art. It's very pretty box art. And once you get a few rounds in and the board is developed, it, it really is looking, it does feel like, like still shots of a pond because mm-hmm. your fish are always moving. Mm-hmm. And, and so the next round, your fish have moved. So you've got this another still shot, but as the board develops, much like in photosynthesis, as the forest develops and trees are moving from one side of the board to the other. And there are, at four players, you know, there's a lot more color. So, you know, with Koi, it's the same thing. The board develop becomes a, a different visual. And it's a very pretty board and a very pretty color palette that puts together for, to, to make a very pretty snapshot of a Koi pond every turn. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, and depending on which weather cards you get and stuff, too, you can have a very nice kind of that same drastic shift almost Mm -hmm. of of what the pond is going to look like so yeah all right so our fun factor slash overall for koi again we uh enjoyed this game i had a lot of fun with it like i said earlier you you brought brought the rule book over so we could do the review tonight megan instantly was like i want to play that game again i enjoyed the theme um i thought the game worked really well for for what it was the the mechanics and the theme work really well together so my fun factor on this one is, is pretty high. I, I enjoyed the game. It's not, again, it's got that, that subtle kind of take that in there where you're not like drastically beating somebody down or anything, but it's enough there if you enjoy take that. You can definitely utilize it and utilize it well in this game. But it's it's more of a casual kickback kind of game to me. And again, the, the visual of 
granted you're going for points and you're trying to to eat what you can as your koi but just the overall visual of how the board kind of lays out is just an, a beautiful thing and and i i enjoy the game from the visuals to the actual play so i it's a pretty solid game i would recommend it for sure definitely i think it's it's a sufficiently good game that you should not be adverse to buying it at full msrp you know sometimes i'll say you know online buy that but if you see this in a game store buy it because it's it's a good enough game that at full price you're even at full price you're going to get your money's worth because it's just that that enjoyable a game isn't that how you picked it didn't you find it at a game store on vacation yeah but i found it on sale well i mean no but i mean that's like one of those things like you kind of saw it in the store and it's like all right, so there you go. It was a it was a toss up between this and the tra- a train game. Oh, never People go know for my, the train game. Oh, <laughs> we're done, sir. Close the laptop. Uh, and this was on sale, so this is why I picked that. Bring over ticket to ride when we get back. Just grab my ticket to ride off the shelf. All right, oh, so. mine's better because it's mine. Oh, okay. I mean, if you were gonna say yours is better because it's like the tenth anniversary edition or something, then you'd be correct. <laughs> Well, no, now all those people that spent a hundred bucks on a tenth anniversary have to spend. I know 50 the fifth, fifteenth, the fifteenth yeah. anniversary. Like, where do we stop? In five more years, <laughs> there's going to be another anniversary. <laughs> all right, so there we go. There's our review of Koi. So what we're watching, Mega started talking about some other things. And I was like, mm-hmm, I'm not going to put those on the list. And really, oh. Not no. even worth putting on the list. Well, it was it was actually because th- we skipped a, a recording at one point. Yes, and so she was talking about things like oh, just that, and I'm age, like, mm, not yeah, it was it was, was you know yeah because because we really haven't watched it because uh, obviously we're prepping for vacation and everything. So just real quick, I just started the second season of The Gifted. Okay. I'm like two or three episodes, I think. So I finished the the first season. Really enjoyed that. Starting the second season, I know it's the last season now as well, but um, they just kind of introduced like the Morlocks kind of deal. So yeah, I'm, I'm still watching it, still interested in it. Not really, I don't know how I feel about the divide yet, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing was we're watching the the final season of Orange is the New Black. So we've, uh, I think we're close to done with that now. I think we got like two or three eps left. And that's been like, if we have time to watch something, we watch that and then before bed, I might watch like an episode of The Gifted and Crash. So that's it for me. So B5, because we do. <laughs> well, yeah. Obviously, we watched that because we recorded the last episode. Right. We have not watched since, though. <laughs> no, nor have we. <laughs> One of Don's rare tweets was about an anime on Netflix called Seven Seeds. Mm. That sounded interesting. Post-Epoch, blah, 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 The Last Survivors. So I checked that out, and I'm two and a half eps in, and it's... It's pretty enjoyable. It's a different type of post-apocalypse than I was thinking. <laughs> and anything that I could say would be a bit of a spoiler. <laughs> so I won't. But two and a half episodes in, I'm enjoying it. We finished the entire first season of Another Life, which was also on Netflix. Katie Sackhoff's latest sci-fi vehicle. Mm-hmm. It's uh, It didn't get a lot of pub. It it, it didn't even get a banner. <laughs> uh, but it, it, was a, it was a featured, but it, it didn't get a banner. So she's in command. Uh, oops. Alien artifact lands on Earth, starts communicating with them, maybe, and also might be having some kind of communication with a like object on what they think is its home planet. So she's leading the mission on 
apparently the worst designed spaceship ever, <laughs> uh, to get to the potential home planet of these aliens and see what's up. Shenanigans ensue. It was very enjoyable because there's a lot of people on there that you either like to dislike or you like because, well, you like them. Katie is not just reprising Starbuck, the dude that plays Superman in Supergirl. He was a werewolf. <laughs> Tyler Hoechlin's in there for a little bit. It's a good cast. They all do different characters very well. And while it was a very enjoyable show, half of the enjoyment is derived from the fact that the writers have really poached classic scenes from other <laughs> sci-fi. Like there's a Wrath of Khan moment. There's like, you know, there's like Star Trek. There's Star Wars. There's dialogue <laughs> that's straight out of like, I mean, it's been manipulated, but you can tell somebody was watching something when they wrote this. Twiggy, twiggy, twiggy. <laughs> Almost, there was no Buck Rogers that I could find, but they might have another season. Um, but even though there's what I think some, some blatant ripoff, it was all put together well enough that it was really enjoyable. The people doing it made good scenes. I'm not going to say better, but made good scenes enjoyable despite the fact that you, you could tell that Gene Roddenberry wrote that once, you know, that kind of thing. It was enjoyable. And then also on Netflix, uh, Woo Assassin, which is martial arts action. I know I'm going to butcher this dude's name because I've never heard it actually pronounced, but it's Eco Uwe's, uh, the dude from The Raid and The Raid 2. Mm, and 20, still Mile 22. Too. It's almost as good as the original. Yeah. And we have it up on the shelf, but we just, for whatever reason, haven't watched it yet. And he's a food chef truck, a food truck chef. <laughs> he's a food truck chef. He's, uh, his he's involved with this family that runs a restaurant, owns a restaurant, and uh unfortunately uh they piss off some members of the triad, so now they're coming to uh teach him a lesson. And oh, along the way, it turns out that there's actually a really good Legends of the Five Rings moment in the first step. But as it turns out, um there's these five evil warlords that always propagate through history and only the Wu assassin can defeat them at each <laughs> turn. Uh, and it turns out he's the Wu assassin. Shocking. Uh, and he has to defeat these five warlords of which they've introduced one. Uh, so he gets the soul of a thousand monks before him that were, that fought the original evil overlords back in the day in China. And the first one that we've seen so far because it's actually a cool mechanic because the first the first step starts off with a fight scene all done from his pov then you find out that he's got these woo these thousand dead monks in him uh and then they show the same fight but recut every now and then because nobody as the app progresses you realize that the the people that he's saving in this apartment fight are people that know him there's a hallway are <laughs> people that know him or should know him but they don't recognize him so and later in the app, they recut the same fight, but from the monk who is fighting's perspective. So all the dialogue that he dropped the first time, a new actor is dropping, and it explains why nobody recognizes him. And in the first step, the monk is uh the dude from Iron Chef America, which I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything other than Iron Chef America. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of funny for him to pop up here. But three or four eps in, I mean, it's not deep, but it's enjoyable. It's you're watching it for, for fight scenes, and there are good fight scenes. So, yeah, that's that. Blue Assassin. What we're reading slash listening to 
gone on vacation, made the mistake of reaching out to a bunch of my voiceover clients. So I've read a bunch of voiceover scripts lately. (laughs) Uh, Just got those done and put myself out on vacation everywhere I could. (laughs) Had somebody try to get a hold of me and would have been a new client, but Screw you, I'm on vacation. No, after the back and forth, it was just, they're still not done. They want it in three days. They're still trying to do it. Or these the dudes that wanted a quote, but didn't have the budget. Yeah, and then they still turned around and said, no, just quote us anyway, kind of thing. And so, yeah, my quote was way out of their budget originally, too, but they also were like, we're not done with it. So I also kind of was like, and by the way, I would need this in the next couple of days if you want me to do it because I'm out on vacation. No, we need it and blah, blah, blah. All right, well, good luck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I got everything that was sent to me done so I can take off and not worry about scripts. <laughs> but that's all I've really read lately. <laughs> so I'm reading Out of the Dark, which uh, by Greg Hurwitz, which is another Orphan X books book. I've mentioned this on and off this series. Super Spy. It's It's been actually kind of interesting because there's been this low-grade overarching story on why the government's trying to kill him now. I mean, it starts off with the government's trying to kill him, but you never really knew why other than it seemed like petty vengeance, which was pretty cheap, but, you know, whatever. You're not reading it with a deep plot. <laughs> but they've they've progressed it so that there's actually, well, it's a little bit beyond petty vengeance. It's a little deeper. It's still not that deep, but it's it's action. It's just good, good fun action. Uh, and then I'm also reading a Star Wars book. Thrawn Treason. <laughs> Again, I'll give almost anything with Thrawn a shot. This is the third book in his series that if in the new continuity. I read the first one and it was acceptable. I read the second one and I got two chapters in and I threw it away. <laughs> the third one came out and I was like, do I need to know anything that happened in the second book? No. All right. I'll give this a shot. And so far, this is much more enjoyable. About halfway through and the, the set... You know, one thing they're doing, even with the non-mains, is, uh, like, I'm not going to read anything with the mains, but, like, the Alphabet Squadron that I read, and then this one, they're doing good at couching it in their, in their timeline, and, like, in this case, like, in the original EU, Thrawn was all after Return of the Jedi. So in this one, because of his placement in Rebels, it's all taking place before A New Hope. And so this, no big spoilers, is taking place at the construction of the Death Star. Krennic's in it as a character, and it meshes together Krennic's desire for funding for the Death Star. This is the crux of where I'm at right now. The Emperor has assigned him a task to do this thing, and if he completes it in X time, he will get the funding that he requires to progress his TIE Defenders program. And if he does not, then Krennic gets the funding for the Death Star. Okay, pretty simple. Again, it's Star Wars inverse fiction. It's not the deepest, but it's enjoyable. And uh, so, yeah, so that's what I'm at right now. So what we're playing. I say that like I've ever had anything published. I mean, I have not had anything published, whether it's licensed IP or not. So don't take that wrong. Any authors that might happen to be listening to me. Sure you are. Uh, It's. You've done stuff that I have never done, so good on you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now... Just that caveat on the off chance. (laughs) What we're playing. (laughs) So, have you ever designed a game? Why are you reviewing games, then? (laughs) Hey, I helped you tonight. (laughs) 
credit now. <laughs> what we're playing, I only have two things. I have more than that. I'll go first. Okay. A little bit of Battlestar Galactic uh, Starship Battles, the mm -hmm. minis game, and a little bit of Shadowrun Sprawl Ops. I busted nice. that out. I tried to put it all together. I was looking at the extra boards. Yeah, because you saw Ashley's legendary box, yeah. right? Um, so or yeah, brawl ups. Or, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I played hers. Yeah, well, I just wasn't sure if she. Cause it's a big box. Yeah, it is. Stuff. Yep. Uh, there, there's a lot in there to unpack, and it was fun. That was the high point of my day. The day I did that, but <laughs> yeah, so that's that. Not a whole lot else going on right now. All right. So I was at Coolicon's single day proto spiel last Saturday. Um, so there, I got to play a few things. Don busted out one of his games. He was like, uh, want to see a game I designed in my sleep? I was like, sure. <laughs> and it was actually a fun, it was a fun little dungeon crawl. Uh, so we had, we had some fun with that. Um, got to play the latest version of Ashley's mall game as well. Um, so that was cool to see the changes that she's made and, and how that's coming along. She's got a pretty, pretty solid game on her hands for, um, what she's trying to design. She's got a, just narrow a few things down and that's what she's she's been doing she's been doing the play test sessions and getting feedback and making changes along the way it's been kind of cool to see kind of her jump into design so got to play that again as you saw the dungeon crawl dice game that don ashley and i put together when we were between games so uh that basically came out like same way like i said i i, I told you when when i was thinking about the idea i just told don i always wanted i've always been trying to fig figure uh, or design a push your luck that uses polyhedrals and we just did it. <laughs> and so, uh, which was kind of fun to put together. It's, it's coming along pretty cool. Played a little, how do you feel about games where you got to kind of like, like the, the party style games where you got to either improv a little bit of, or, or explain or come up with like your story for something. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a good liar, but not necessarily yeah, on the are. spot like that. <laughs> I play this game. There's a, a guy, Aaron, that brought a game called Buyout. That's, that's his current title for it. And it's basically you get you get a couple cards in front of you that are companies that you own, basically. And And he's done a really great job of doing the fake company names with fake taglines kind of thing. It was, it was very well done. He's got some graphic art does experience and kind of like as as work and stuff. So he did all the logos and all that kind of stuff and whatnot. Just really good job on it. Uh, he brought it to the Kulikon day. And basically what you're trying to do is like another, it's taking turns being the judge kind of thing. So like the Cards Against Humanity kind of thing, you know, there's going to be a round or so where you're out. So you flip, if you're, you flip a card that basically it's a company you're selling. So everybody around the table has to give their reasoning why they should be able to buy that company to fit in with the companies they have. So like I had a drone service and a food, like a, a chain of grocery stores were my two starting ones. And like a quality hotel thing came up and I'm like, well, you know what this quality, quality motel, that's what it was. It was quality, you know what these quality motels need? food service so my drones will deliver food from my grocery stores right to uh, the people are staying at our place you know that kind of so that kind of thing so you can go logical you can go silly you can do whatever you want but it ends up obviously being the the judge decides who gets it right and then a couple of cool things he had on it was if you win you're the next judge so you can't win two in a row by just be, by where it is in turn order mm -hmm. so you, you get at least a, a fighting chance or whatever from the one person that might you know like 
they've always got great ideas, whatever, you know? So every time you win, you know, you're, you're the next judge. So that was cool. And the other thing he's kind of got in it is everybody has different score values depending on the type of companies that are in the game. So, you know, the, the red companies will just say like, they might be three points for me, but they're only like a point for you, two points for Ashley, whatever. And so that's hidden. So you never know what somebody else is scoring on a company either. So I don't know. And, and it played, it was played like seven rounds or something like that. So it was like super quick. That kind sounds of kind of fun. That's, yeah. that's the type of storytelling that I like. Yeah. Well, it's not storytelling, but I mean, right. but like, that's what I like about gloom. Yeah. You know, on the fly, putting something together right there mm-hmm. to match what you're doing. That, that appeals. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed this game enough that he sent me a PDF of it. And that was what was in that. That was the other stack of cards for what I was showing you tonight. Oh, I printed yeah. it out to gotcha. to bring it because I want to play it a few more times and get a, get a feel get a better feel for it. And then I will just go straight to Megan and I played croquet the other day. So that's we got our, our little outside timeout. We figure, um, you know, we got to clean the yards anyway, and we've got a bunch of yard games, and it never fails. Like setting up and starting to play, you find whatever you've missed that the dogs have left outside. <laughs> No, so we uh, we broke out croquet the other day just to dust out the cobwebs and p- pack it back up, and we're going to bring it with. So we're bringing some some lawn games and stuff with us. And that's all I got. So there you go. There's a another episode recorded right before I leave. <laughs> I'm antsy. It's only only hours left. But only you're not hours. on the verge of death anymore. Oh. I'm not, I don't know what the heck that was going on earlier. So yeah. So thanks for hanging out with us again. Um, do you want to do your plea one more time? They're not going to respond in general. They're not going to respond now. <laughs> they're, they're already gone. Yeah. <laughs> Game review's over. We're out. <laughs> you know, and that is uh, feedback we wouldn't mind having either. I mean, we've put out a few episodes that were review only. Just game, yeah. And if that's your preference, you know, let us know that as well. Maybe it is time for us to change the format a little bit. I know you and I like to, you know, shoot the shit. And again, we kind of always say this is like us sitting around a game table anyway. And these are the things that we talk about when we all get together. But if you prefer us to stick to just review, hey, we can do we can that. Do that. We, can, we can consider Take a that. Shot. Yeah. <laughs> there are no bad ideas. Yeah, yeah. there are. <laughs> it's just bad hosts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, we're going to wrap another episode. Thanks for hanging with us. I'm Jeff King. And I'm the Canadian. We'll be back very soon. Thank you for checking out a United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find Geeks of the North, a hobby and gaming podcast from LaBelle Province, discussing all aspects of the miniature wargaming hobby. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com.
don't like how you feel Cause y'all are the real deal, holy feel still don't understand the various times that we did not hear that in our headphones and we just kept going <laughs> like, like we were recording. <laughs> Where were we? Because <laughs> when it's the end of the day and everybody is sick and everybody works 60 hours, yeah. small details like, are we recording? <laughs> <laughs>